Welcome to Speaking of Grace, the weekly message podcast from the Whole Life Church in Orlando, Florida. We're a multi-ethnic, multicultural, and multi-generational congregation committed to our mission of loving people into a lifelong friendship with God. We are committed to our vision of being a church without walls, fully engaged in serving the people of our community. Thank you for joining us as we continue Speaking of Grace. So good afternoon, everyone. Oh, this is going to be a talk back kind of day. So good afternoon, everyone. So, yes, thank you, whoever that is. I hear you. Thank you. Um, And so I just want us to spend a little bit of time showing our appreciation to the high school praise team with Vlad. Um, So thank you. Thank you. And so I, most of you have no idea who I am. So I thought I would start with an introduction. Um, So my name is Audrey Gregory, and I live here, (laughs) not at the church, but (laughs) around. And I am one of the speakers for this Voices of Whole Life, which means by credential, I have a voice and I come to Whole Life. So that's the extent of my credentials. Um, Who I am, I thought I would introduce myself to you by virtue of my two favorite roles. One is I am the wife of Owen, and we've been married now for decades. I can say that. And this is where you say you look really young. Um, (laughs) Yes. So that's my first favorite role. And my second favorite role is mother to Olivia, Owen, and Omari. And I am going through the third phase of motherhood. In the first phase, I was known as Olivia's mom. In the second phase, which had a phase 2A and 2B, I am known as Owen's mom to his public persona. And then to his private persona, I am known as his private name's mom. In stage three of motherhood, I am now Omari's mom. And Omari was the guy in the navy blue suit singing, um, leading the praise team. And uh, what does that mean? It means that if I'm anywhere in the greater Orlando area, all the way into Gainesville, and if I throw in Michigan, and then someone reminded me this morning that if I throw in Michigan, then Owen now has a stage 2C because he attends the University of Michigan. But if I go back to Amari, it means that wherever I go in the greater Orlando area and I introduce myself, and whether it's formal or informal, I give credentials, I don't give credentials, I get a blank stare. Then I say, I'm Amari's mom. Immediately, I have recognition. (laughs) And I now also have validity. So, stage three, Amari's mom. (laughs) You may ask me, why is there another picture of Amari? Well, in this picture, he has his glasses on. In the previous picture, he does not. (laughs) One of those pictures when I go home will be the incorrect picture to have shown in public. (laughs) So I'm covering my bases so that when I go home, I will not be in the wrong. Now, I am not a theologian, so today's sermon will have no Greek, no Hebrew, 
In fact, you may hear a couple of Jamaican dialect mixed in with some Southern accent. Um, so I'm not a theologian. What I am, however, is a student of the Bible and just continuing to learn. And I have to tell you that my calculations were really wrong. When I saw the attendance at first service this morning, I got excited because I knew that meant there would be no one left to come to the second service. I was wrong. I am so grateful. <laughs> so, the thing that fascinates me about the Bible are not the big things. It's not the manna that fell from heaven, though that was exciting. The Red Sea that got parted, that was just like so dramatic. Or even things like Elijah calling down fire on the mountain. Those are pretty exciting. What amazes me about the Bible are the ordinary moments and how God uses ordinary moments with ordinary people to do extraordinary things, and in some cases, ordinary things. And so today's sermon is almost like a, it's not an anti-sermon, but it really is going to challenge your thinking, um, and that's okay, because I think Voices of Whole Life for me comes around once, so today is it, so I'm just going to tell you what's on my heart, and I'm going to be okay with that. And so I want you to follow me into interruptions. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I ask that you hide me behind the cross and let you be seen and heard and let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. So our lives are all filled with interruptions, inconveniences, frustrations, and unexpected events. Things break, accidents happen, the phone rings just as you lay down, just as you get under the covers, or when you finally get the finances in place and you know you can't manage another expense, something breaks. And it's never the toaster. It's always something much more expensive. There could be an unexpected illness that changes your carefully crafted plans, and I could go on and on. No one likes to be interrupted. In fact, we have our plan and the list of things we want to do, things we want to accomplish. We don't like being out of control. And so we're annoyed by interruptions. In fact, they're frustrating to us. They get in our way, they get in the way of our plans, and in fact, they need to be avoided at all costs. We need to deal with them as soon as possible so we can get back in control. Does that sound about right? All right, so here's what I've discovered. Sometimes, right in the middle of an ordinary day, God has other plans. And I'm learning that those of us who are Christ followers have to start looking at interruptions differently. We shouldn't see interruptions as obstacles to our plans, but actually opportunities to embrace God's plan. So journey with me today, recognizing that not many of us like interruptions or disruptions in our daily lives, especially when they create inconveniences. But Jesus appeared to treat interruptions very differently. In fact, we see time and time in the Gospels where Jesus uses unique ways of truly leaning into what? 
initially appears to be something inconvenient. So let's explore that. If you have your Bibles, you can look at Matthew chapter 14. And we see in verse 13 that Jesus had just gotten the news that his friend and cousin John had died. It was a really brutal death. And, and so Jesus was sad. And he wanted to be alone so he could mourn the loss of his cousin and friend. And I love that about Jesus, right? He actually recognized that he needed to mourn. He had a true loss. So he, the Bible said he went away to a deserted place. He heads into a boat, heads into a deserted place. However, the quiet time that he had earned and probably richly deserved was interrupted. A great multitude, the Bible said, heard of his plan and they followed him on foot. As Jesus heads to the shore, he catches a glimpse of the people waiting to meet him. Now, I got to tell you, if I insert myself here, my response would have been a little bit different from Jesus. My response would be something along the lines of, people, I am in mourning. Leave me alone. And if I'm agitated enough, I probably would have said something like, I'm going to understand why I'm under there. <laughs> Jamaican translation, I do not understand why you are all here. Please go away. I probably would have sent the crowd away. And don't sigh at me, don't judge, because I know that every one of us has done that. How do I know that? Either a mom or a dad listening to me right now can think back at a time when we reacted angrily or frustrated with a child, particularly at the end of the day when we were just getting relaxed in time. And so we all understand that. The scripture says, however, that Jesus didn't turn the boat around and go to another destination. The scripture says he was moved with compassion toward them. He was moved with compassion. In fact, if I'm understanding this clearly, he moved towards the interruption with compassion. And so the first lesson is what stirs our frustration actually stirs Jesus's compassion. While Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem and on the way the next week to be crucified, a blind man was begging on the side of the road. We heard the blind man, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped. And even though the crowd was telling the man to be quiet, he wouldn't be quiet. And so Jesus said to him, what would you like me to do? So in this moment of interruption, Jesus pauses to find out what would you like me to do? The man says to him, I want to see. Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has saved you. We need to realize that what we call an interruption may actually be a divine appointment. A reprogramming per se scheduled by God. Our job is actually to be interruptible. This is not about being interrupted and missing a traffic accident, though I will say that's a good thing. But according to one of my favorite authors, Paul Tripp, he says that this is about realizing that you and I do not live in a series of big dramatic moments. We do not careen from one big decision to big decision. We all live in an endless series of little moments. The character of a life is not seen in 10 big moments. 
The character of a life is set in 10,000 little moments of everyday life. And so what if the things we consider inconveniences and simple irritation are the very tool God uses to help us to grow in his likeness? In my experience, every single time that Owen and I have something big planned for our lives, and I want to clarify, Owen husband, not Owen son, Really important to clarify that I learned after the first service. So every time Owen and I have something big planned for our lives, we have been disappointed by the outcomes or at the very least surprised. It then dawned on us that our lives were not meant to be lived that way, bouncing from one grandiose thing to the next. We also learned very importantly that the journey itself is as important as the destination. We have discovered that the spiritual growth actually happens at the points in between, not only at the destination. So here's my question for you. How many witnessing opportunities have passed us by because we're not interruptible? Our prayer today should actually be, Lord, make me interruptible. How often have we gone through life working around the interruptions that God has prepared for us because we do not want to be interrupted? Because we have our plans, we have our lives, we have our career, we have our children, we have our spouses, and therefore we can stop for the interruption. Thank you, Atara, for doing our scripture reading. Jesus told the story of the Good Samaritan, and, and we all heard the story. Three people actually passed by. And so I thought to myself, this story was an incredible interruption opportunity. The first person who passed by was a priest, whom the Bible indicated was there by chance. There are many times that God will allow your chance, your by chance, to be for his purpose. This was a lost opportunity for the priest as he was focused on making his way to church. I made a a transcript for this so I would stay on my notes and not wander because I could go into a whole different topic. But I will simply say in this lesson learned, I will say this. Let's be careful that we're not lost on the way to church. So the priest walks by and pretends he doesn't see the man, that the man needs help, and he keeps walking. A Levite comes by next, and if memory serves me right, they were the highest off, they were of the highest order to serve. The Levite actually comes and looks at the man and passed by on the other side. What this tells me is that he was almost interrupted. How many times have we almost been interrupted? That moment when you know you're being prodded a little by the Holy Spirit to change your path, yet you pause, then you keep going. Neither the priest or the Levite were interruptible. Finally, a Samaritan walked by, acknowledged the interruption, and the Bible said, like Jesus, he was moved with compassion, fixes the man. So only the Samaritan was willing to have his day interrupted. Dietrich Bonhoeffer says this, and it's very profound. We must be ready to allow ourselves to be interrupted by God. God will be constantly crossing our paths and canceling our plans by sending us people with claims and petitions. We may pass them by 
preoccupied with our more important task. It is a strange fact that Christians and even ministers frequently consider their work so important and urgent that they will allow nothing to disturb them. Interruptions are twofold in purpose. Sometimes God sends them as an opportunity for us to minister to someone, and sometimes he sends them as a way to minister to us. There are times in our lives when we get into a spiritual rut and even general ruts in our lives. During those moments, we live by our own agenda, we follow our own agenda, and our agendas may not be congruent with God's agenda for us. Then God sends along a little interruption, could be a sickness, could be a life event, could be a lot of things, and that helps to get us out of the rut. He at times forces us to step back and take a look at where we're going. So what happens when I'm interruptible? If we look at Christ's life, we see that he made himself interruptible. This is not the same as solving every problem in the world. My daughter, Olivia, who I mentioned earlier, is one of the most empathetic person that I know. And as she was growing up, one of the things we had to work through as a family, and she had to work through, was making sure she didn't take on and carry the feelings and the burdens of everyone. So what I'm actually talking about, though, is the type of interruption that means you're open to the leading of the Holy Spirit. So if you think about how Jesus does things, he had a habit of breaking into ordinary lives. So he called fishermen from their nets, a tax collector from his office, and then he called another tax collector from where? Out of a tree. So when Christ interrupts you, and the Holy Spirit interrupts you, it is usually while we're doing our mundane task in life. So the question is, is that work interrupted or an opportunity to embark on a new path? When I am interruptible, I experience rebirth. How do I know that? The Holy Spirit is then able to interrupt my life and come in in meaningful ways. What experience do I have with this? If you, when you go home this afternoon, I encourage you to read Acts chapter 2. And you see how Peter surrendered to the Holy Spirit. And when that happens, the Holy Spirit interrupted and took over. I will caution you, however, to know that when the Holy Spirit interrupts, it is possible that things are not as well ordered as you like them to be. I have it on good authority that the Holy Spirit does not follow the five or six formulas to success. Does not do that at all. In fact, if you look at the story of Pentecost, you see chaos and you see things that normally, if you were planning an evangelistic event, it's not what you would see. The second thing that happens when you're interruptible is that you're renewed. This unnamed woman of Samaria was going about her mundane task, again, gathering water, when she was interrupted by a stranger who asked her for a drink of water. I love, again, how Jesus showed up in the regular stuff. The exciting thing about this story is that initially it seems that Jesus interrupted her to ask her for a favor, but then we recognize that it was a bigger idea and it was the reverse of the idea. He interrupted her life to give her a gift. 
Now, this woman was so renewed that she actually added another R and she learned to rejoice. The Bible said she left her water pot. She went her way into the city and she said, come and see a man. In this moment, this woman forgot her shame and her own disappointment. This interruption equaled renewal and rejoicing. Talk about the impact of being interruptible. And finally, when I'm interruptible, I am redeemed. When I am interruptible, my priorities start to change. The thief on the cross was interruptible and actually stopped his dying to defend Jesus. This man has done nothing wrong. But who was also interruptible even in death? Jesus was. He gave this man redemption. Truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. So what is Jesus doing today? He is very elegant in his approach of interruption. He tells us this in Revelation 3 verse 20 when he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Let's not ignore that because he's actually working to interrupt you. How do I turn interruptions into opportunities? First, I need to surrender, surrender, whatever that word is, my agenda to God's will. And this step is generally the most difficult of all. And if you're independent and cultured and have everything you need and your car works every day and your teeth belong to you and your teeth work, it is very difficult to surrender. But that's the first step. The second step is to see my life's purpose as a ministry. I need to recognize that the house that I am blessed with is for the purpose of ministry. The same for my car, my clothes, the financial assets that I have. As a child growing up, I saw that with my parents a lot. And it angered me sometimes because it meant that whatever little we had was always shared with someone, we're always taken in someone, we're always feeding someone. And so when I was younger, I resented that. But I'm grateful for the fact that I was taught that my stuff was really God's gift to me. A major factor in being able to turn interruptions into opportunities is to recognize that I am not just Audrey Gregory or state your name. State your name. Thank you. I have to now see myself as... State your name. Yes. Child of God, minister of Jesus Christ. Each of us is called to ministry. For Pastor Angeline is to be a pastor slash social worker slash all things. Um, mine is being an administrator. Yours may be something else. My mom was a teacher and my entire life I've known my mom to be teaching. In fact, she retired last year from teaching. But that was her ministry. Those children loved her. And she loved those children. She taught in Jamaica. When she came to America, had to go back to school, went back to school so she could teach. That was her ministry. And sometimes it's interesting how your ministry allows you to pour into others. And that became evident to us as a family because one night we were coming home from a church social and I need you to picture Jamaica not the way you picture Orlando. 
the roads are dark, um, bushes. It's just a very different kind of living. But we're coming from a church social. It's almost one o'clock in the morning because you know how church socials in Jamaica are like nothing you've ever seen before. And so of my sister who is here at that point was on somebody's back or somebody's neck because she never wants to walk. So somebody had to always carry her. And as we're almost at the house, well, we're going around a curb, and up walks to us four armed masked men. And they gave us the order of what you do. I don't know why they say freeze. It's not like, what are you going to do? Like, that is the only option you have. And at this point, it is clear to us that the power structure has shifted. We're no longer the people in power. My dad and his briefcase filled with his Ellen White books and the Bible was not in a position of power. And so we recognized that we needed to be quiet, but not my mom. My mom, being the teacher, I don't know if she recognized gate, intonation, or diction. I only heard when she said, Devon, is you that? Stop the foolishness. <laughs> so... Not only now have we unmasked the assailants to be, we have now identified them. <laughs> so said shift leader, I will call him that, um, said, teacher, are you that? Translation, teacher, is that you? My mom said, yes, it's me. And I'm thinking, I don't know what is going to happen now, but it can't be good because they have now identified each other. So the shift leader with his weapon then turns to his comrades and explains how wonderful my mom is. She's the best teacher he has ever had. He apologizes profusely and sends us on our way. My mother, not to be outdone, because everything in life is about a life lesson. She's out of their earshot and she said, you know, that boy Devin is a bright boy with lots of leadership abilities. But he didn't apply himself to reach his full potential. So I come before you today unmasked and at my full potential. Lesson learned. And so really, you got to make what you do your ministry. Thirdly, I have to make myself available to God. I read somewhere that availability is an attitude that says to God, whatever I am, whatever I am doing, whenever you call, I am ready. Here I am, send me. So I'm going to send you away today with three words to remember when you encounter an interruption. Number one, prayer. Interruptions processed correctly help us to be more patient, more fulfilled, more at peace, and more like Jesus. So the next time that we wake up five times during the night for a teething baby, remember to be present and even be thankful for the moment. The first thing to do when life is interrupted is to stop and pray. Pray for guidance, pray for courage, pray for help. When you look to God, he will help you. Secondly, perspective. Put the interruption in the proper perspective. How bad is it really? How long will it be important? What difference will it make in eternity? And then providence. 
keep in mind that God is in control. He is in control of your life. Nothing can happen to you without the leave and notice of your father. He still has all the hairs on your head numbered, and that's even if you're fully bald or half bald. So interruptions can at times positively redirect our lives. God can take what seems to be an an interruption, an unforeseen problem, and use it to set your life on a new and better path. So I'll close with one of my favorite quotes. The legacy of our lives will not be measured by how many emails we responded to, how many loads of laundry we completed, how clean our houses are, or how efficient we were. I believe we will be measured by how interruptible we were. When our plans are interrupted, we can ask the Lord for wisdom in how to respond with compassion. What we call an interruption may be a divine appointment that the Lord has scheduled for you. Interruptions prepare us for hearing Christ say, well done, good and faithful servant. Every interruption is an opportunity for growth. It's an opportunity for ministry. And it's an opportunity to be drawn closer to God. Praise God for interruptions. And Lord, please make me interruptible. Hi, this is Randy McGray, podcast producer and host here at Whole Life Church. Loving people into a lifelong friendship with God is our mission at the Whole Life Church. And our podcasts are designed to help facilitate conversations that help us grow together in that pursuit. Now that you've heard the message for this week, don't forget to check out the Whole Life Takeaways for this message. Swipe up in today's show notes and join the conversation. Speaking of conversations, each Wednesday morning we take a closer look at the week's message. That's right, the one you just listened to. We discuss practical ways to apply spiritual lessons and ask honest questions about the issues we face as Christians. All focused through the lens of grace. Your voice is a welcomed addition to that conversation. We encourage your thoughts and your questions by sending a voicemail or text to 407-965-1607 or send an email to podcast at wholelife.church. You can find everything podcast-related on our website, wholelife.church slash podcast. And plan on spending every Tuesday evening and Wednesday morning with us as we bring you the Whole Life Church inspiration you love straight into your headphones. Thanks for listening and have a great week.